0: So glad to have back on the program Ruth ben Giot, professor of history and Italian studies, New York University, author of Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present, and someone I always enjoy speaking with. Welcome back to the program. I'm sorry I said your name with the hard G. Uh, Giot, it's Giot. Thank you for coming back on the program.
1: Sure, it's my pleasure.
0: So we've been seeing the Republican Party as they continue to embrace uh, Donald Trump. And as he has a hold on the party, really just become even more radicalized. And of course, Fox news plays a role and Tucker Carlson, this um, just reverence now for fascism is right out in the open where they are embracing Victor Orban in Hungary. Somebody I've talked to, to you about in the past and Tucker Carlson took his show there uh, and and for a week, and sort of romanticized the guy, and held him up, and talked about how you know on immigration they were great because of their horrible policies, and and um, now even CPAC, the Conservative Political Action, Political Action Conference, is going to Budapest to hold their conference. Talk a little bit about what you see.
1: Yeah, I actually um, was the first. I have a newsletter, Lucid, and I've published a couple of. Uh, essays about all the figures going to Budapest because Orban is making Budapest a hub of far-right politics. And and, and Orban, you know, and, and people like Tucker Carlson and Mike Pence was there last week, which I find really interesting also because he isn't, you know, the most uh, willing global traveler, and yet he went to Budapest to talk about how he hopes uh, abortion rights will be overturned in the States. And they they kind of see a future America when they go to Budapest. And, you know, Orban styles himself as like a more palatable autocrat than Putin because you don't hear, there, there's no freedom of press left. He rules by decree. So he calls himself in a liberal democracy, but there's no democracy. But you don't hear about people being poisoned or falling out of windows. And so he and he gets EU funding, so he seems more, uh, you know, mainstream as an autocrat. And so the GOP is all over that, and they've been kind of testing out their messaging uh, in Budapest, which is which is very very frightening. And the fact that, you know, CPAC was in Orlando. Uh, last year, and now it's going to be in Budapest. Is totally symptomatic.
0: <laughs> yes, and I, I saw you uh, reporting on it and writing about it, and then it it really blew up, and it needs to. You and I have spoken in the past about Hungary and uh, Orban and his trajectory, and the comparison to Donald Trump. Talk a little bit more about that because he he lost an election and then spent all of his time out of power claiming um that it was all election fraud and and then came back to power and that's when things really changed
1: yeah the experience with with this kind of strongman personality where um they are so arrogant and they need to be in power also because often they're very corrupt and they need you know immunity from prosecution they they will stop at nothing to get back into power and then once they do they make sure that nobody can touch them again. And, and that's what Orban has done. Now, it's taken him a long time. He's been back for 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 years, a decade. And so I would say that it takes time to amass the kind of power that makes you truly untouchable Because and to make elections not count for anything. And we're in the middle of this process now in the States, right? Because to really neutralize elections, you have to make it, you know, threatening to go to the polls in the first place, you have to make sure that you have what's called judicial capture, you've you've purged the judiciary in case there are legal challenges, that's what's going on now here, you see that there are lawyers who sue these states uh, for their voter suppression laws, and so this takes a long time, but once it's uh, past a certain threshold, you can have this Fiction, you know, you have this electoral autocracy, right? So you have the fiction of freedom, but people's votes don't really count anymore.
0: And we see how Orban, when he came back to power, really kind of took care of all the areas that he knew he had to consolidate power in and shut down democracy. And you think about Donald Trump and the way he tried as hard as he could to steal the election or somehow overrule or get it overturned. And, and even all of the ways he tried to consolidate power in his first term, but, but failed, he and the people around him are seeing what they need to do the next time <laughs> and what they need to do now to gain power in the way that Orban. Did.
1: Yeah. And, and there, you know, it's uh, one of the most common questions I get asked is, is, there is a playbook, and that's the core of my Strongman book. I talk about the authoritarian playbook, and in fact, it's coming out next Tuesday in paperback with a new epilogue that goes through January 6th.
0: That's um, terrific. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's such yeah, an important, so and a very important book, and everybody should read it.
1: And, and yeah, unfortunately and for us, the uh, I had already a third of the book is about coups, and so January six fit fit right in, right? And that's not mm-hmm. good news for us, but. Um, yeah, there's there's so many things that that we don't hear about uh, in in Hungary, and that's because Orban's been able to capture the press, and they learn from each other. So there, so Trump is somebody who doesn't read. We know that, um, you know, but he he's watching and he's always emulating, and he's very open about it. What these other people are doing, and Bolsonaro is another one. Right? He's emulating Trump. And there's all these interchanges. And that's all how how it was in the 1930s, where you know, Hitler actually learned from Mussolini and he worshipped Mussolini. And he followed his playbook, although he got put in jail, it didn't took him a long time to get to power. So so there is this going on. And the one thing I want to say that's the, the height of hypocrisy is that Piers Pence, who goes there and uh, styles himself as you know a representative of all pro-Orban. And he's backed, as we know, by not only evangelicals, but also libertarians and and, and people like the Koch, right? Mm-hmm. And Orban's state, like Erdogan in Turkey and Putin in Russia, preys on businesses. And so that's, that's one thing we're not hearing about. If you have a profitable business, the state, one of uh, Orban's allies will come after it and f- try and force you to sell. And if you refuse to sell, you'll be slapped with audits, with tax things, with, you know, fake crimes that they cook up because they can, and then you'll go out of business and you'll have to sell anyway. So this kind of, there's a name for this, it's called predation, as in predators. And, and so, you know, they, so GOP in, in celebrating Orban is, has a highly selective lens (laughs) because nobody, nobody, no libertarian or. Even forget libertarians, Republicans would who are crying that, you know, the Democrats are socialist and Biden's a socialist dictator. What would they what do they think about the state going after businesses and taking them over?
0: Right. And of course, they have very strict gun laws. And I wrote yeah. about how Tucker Carlson forgot to tell us about the vaccine mandates, which Orban has used. The pandemic in extreme ways to consolidate power beyond what is good public health. And I don't know how CPAC's gonna have their meeting, because it seems to me you're gonna have to have a vaccine mandate. <laughs> but, but we'll see.
1: <laughs> well, but Fox News has had a vaccine mandate for its own people. You know, That's it's right. again That's more right. more more hypocrisy. So we can think, you know, what are they finding in common? And the biggest thing is the Besides this kind of restrictions of freedom, the family policies, anti-LGBTQ, uh, anti-female emancipation, uh, pro-demographic you know, emancipation, um, pro, you know demographic for white Christians. That whole uh, rhetoric about you know, where white Christian life is dying because people of color are overpopulating and anybody of non-normative sexuality is an enemy of the state. That's, what, that's their big area of commonality. Um, And that's why Pence was there
0: Mm -hmm. now to what Trump is doing uh, in this country and what he's been doing with the Republican Party. And, and, you know, there are people who say we needed to get past Trump, but, you know, he's somebody that can't be ignored. You wrote uh, a tweet. There can be no closure to the Trump era and no neutralization of the danger to democracy. He represents until he's indicted. Talk a little bit about that. And, you know, we're seeing investigations into the January 6th. We're seeing the SEC committee. We're seeing subpoenas. What are your thoughts on what's happening and and what needs to happen?
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you tweet something like this or write, people are immediately, well, that's never going to happen. They have no hope that that would happen. But the process, you know, his, his cases are proceeding and it's extremely important to try because it, it is true that in, in the short term, you, you risk, if you were uh, indicted, um, you risk the, um, their victim complex. Cause all these strong men have victim complex so that they can claim that any aggression they show is in self-defense, right? Their whole thing is that they're victims. And so you, you do activate the martyr complex if you prosecute them and, And and what Trump's been doing uh, is cultivating people ready to make them ready for violence or civil disruptions. So there's fears that you would also, you know, open that box, that Pandora's box. However, uh, longer term, it's absolutely essential to prosecute these guys because it's the only thing that bursts the bubble of their cults of personality because they're no longer invincible because all of these guys spend an awful lot of resources uh, making themselves seem inevitable. They'll always be there and also invincible and all powerful, right? So prosecuting yeah. them, really it's been shown, like it, it, it's, it's Berlusconi in Italy and, and even uh, Pinochet in Chile after his, the, the dictatorship, he still, he had to leave power, but his personality cult was still intact. He was the head of the armed forces. And it was only when he was prosecuted, uh, he never went to jail, but it didn't matter. They they never go to jail, but they are prosecuted. And that's that bursts the bubble. And,
0: and yet, I guess what some people are afraid of is the opposite has happened. If they never, the opposite is true. If they never get pro- prosecuted, if they never get indicted, they just grow more powerful. And maybe people are impatient, but they just feel like When they look at Trump, you know, why is he still out there? Why has nothing come too close yet? Are they just being impatient?
1: A little, because the thing, uh, you know, one of Trump famously, uh, when he was president, expressed you know, impatience with the length of like democratic justice. He's like, we should just be able to execute these people now. That's a typical <laughs> Trump thing, right? Or he was approving of of some dictatorship executing people, maybe North Korea.
0: Right, like they don't right. have to
1: wait around. There's no due process. There's nothing, right? But uh, yes, ju- justice in a democratic state does take a long time, um, and the time frame of that is not in keeping. And this is true with. The culprits of January 6th, too. People are impatient to see more people. Um, they are they are being arrested, but it's a slow stream, and people feel we have this democratic emergency. So the time frames are 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 frustrating to many people, um, the slowness of it. But that's what democracy is. You're careful, you amass your evidence, you just don't, you don't just go out and arrest people preventively, ideally right and
0: you can understand people's concerns they see the same individuals organizing and putting out bombastic statements and you know they they look at Steve Bannon for example uh you wrote about the threat of a trump-led coup back in 2017 citing Bannon's influence as well and you know now there's been more revelations of his involvement in January 6th and um, he just seems to... Keep going, and you know he was pardoned by, by Trump for crimes. Mm-hmm. So uh, he seems very confident to engage in further um, violent activities.
1: And and pardoning uh, pardons, I ha- and I have stuff in my book about this. It's very pardons are very important because they free up criminals for service to the leader, and that's why when during that strange transition period after he lost the election, he starts pardoning everybody. I thought, oh, here we go, because uh, authoritarians use pardons at very strategic times for themselves when they need. So remember what Trump was doing? He was purging Mark Esper from defense. He was getting he was like having the wagon circle for his um, the, the kind of fanatic loyalists. So they were one after the other pardoned. And then they were ready for service. Right. So and that also sends a message to other lawless people that as though they didn't already know. Right. Because <laughs> Trump's whole life is about, you know, getting away with things. That's that's his mm-hmm. whole brand. I get away with everything. So the pardons are part of this. And Bannon, you know, and and the real the high level culprits are not going to be. Um, I mean, I know that the, the select committee sent out uh, a document about. You know, a subpoena about Bannon, but it's very hard because they weren't on on the scene. They're too smart to be on the scene. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. You plan the coup, but you're not yourself right. the foot soldier, so you're not liable right. to be to be arrested.
0: I-, I wanted to get your take on on how the rest of the establishment uh, has been sort of operating, and including the media. Uh, there's kind of a sense you see it with the the Republicans who, voted to impeach Trump and obviously don't want to see Trump rise to power again, but they sort of are making believe like everything's back to normal. They're still, you know, standing up to the Democrats and uh, basically allowing Trump and, and his influence to continue uh, instead of, you know, getting on board with allowing for voting rights, uh, you, you know, advocates to be able to uh, pass legislation to stop these suppression laws. Which are only benefiting Trump, and and I think we see the media. I, at least I do, and maybe maybe you'll disagree. But you know, just kind of normalizing everything and the way they cover Biden and the Democrats, and it's it's as if they want to make believe we're back to normal.
1: Yeah, I think people are uh, there. We have been hammered psychologically for five years um, by an expert propagandist. I cannot emphasize how expert and skilled. Donald Trump is as a propagandist, as well as Bannon, and people are tired. That's why they don't want to deal with Trump anymore. And um, so, in a way, it's it's and, and the media it's it's easier to just pretend that somehow we'll get through this and think and keep to the normal frame of politics. Because if you really recognize that one of the two parties in this country is truly an authoritarian party now and it's not interested in the rule of law, it's out of democracy. And that's why they're going to see, that's why CPAC is gonna be in Budapest. Like right. the, every sign is there, it, they, but that's very frightening. And for also for media organizations, they don't seem to quite know what to do with that. And so they they carry on with the both sides or they treat uh, the language they use to talk about the frauds and stuff is not the correct language. And so it ends up helping the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even somebody like Liz Cheney, who, uh, you know, she OK, she's been speaking out about Trump and she's a woman in a way you could say she's a woman without a party because she says, you know, I can't have anybody who who doesn't respect the rule of law. But Liz Cheney, I can't get past this. She voted against voting rights. She voted against the John Lewis. She voted against the For the People Act and election security. So it's like, what vision of democracy do you want Mm -hmm. if you're not interested in people voting? If you actually are working actively to harm people from voting, then you Mm -hmm. can't really say you're into democracy.
0: Uh, Thank you, Ruth ben Guiot, for sounding the alarm. And it's so important in keeping uh, this front and center. People should uh, also subscribe to your newsletter. It's lucid.substack.com. Really great to have you on the program, of course. uh, Ruth ben Guiot, professor of history and Italian studies, New York University, and her book, Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present, coming out in paperback. Uh, Thanks so much once again for coming on.
1: Sure, it's a pleasure.
0: And follow Ruth Ben-Ghiat on Twitter at Ruth Ben-Ghiat, G-H-I-A-T. We're back in a few minutes. The Michelangelo
1: Signorelli Show on Sirius XM.